everybody. Welcome or welcome back to the Fuel Church Podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us today. We want to thank all of you that give generously to this ministry. It's because of your giving that this ministry is possible. To give, you can visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, we are in part two of a message series titled, Wise Up. Someone look at your neighbor and say, it's time to wise up. Come on. Look at your second choice neighbor. They were your second choice neighbor. And look at them and say, it's time, neighbor, to wise up. We are in our study in the book of Proverbs. And one of my favorite Old Testament books is the book of Proverbs. Uh, King Solomon is the author who is one of David's sons. He also wrote two other books, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. Um, There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. And as I said, I love taking one chapter a day. You'll get through the entire book on most months. And then you repeat it at the first of the month. And uh, every time I dive into Proverbs, I'm just finding more wisdom and um, guidance, things that I've never seen before jumping out to me. It's a book of wisdom. And I, I, I say it like this. Proverbs is a book of heavenly wisdom for our earthly walk. Proverbs is a book of heavenly wisdom for our earthly walk. How many in here, come on, how many in here by show of hands would love some heavenly wisdom in your life? Come on, some divine wisdom beyond human understanding, beyond what your mind can come up with, beyond what somebody can help you through. We need some heavenly wisdom in our life. Can I get a good amen? Amen. We're going to move forward today in our study in the book of Proverbs, but I want to go to our key scripture, Proverbs 4-7. If you weren't able to be here with us, you can catch up uh, from week number one, uh, check out our podcast, or if you want to watch the entire service, you can do that on our Fuel Church YouTube page as well. But this is our key scripture for our series, Proverbs 4-7 says, wisdom is what? It's supreme. It, it, it's at the top. Therefore, you're, you're going to want to get some of that. Amen. And whatever the cost is, go ahead and get you some wisdom. Get you some wisdom. Get around some people who are further, uh, further along than you. Amen? Last week we talked about Solomon broke down the four different types of people in Proverbs. And as you are reading it, I believe many of you are picking up a new habit. And I encourage you to just go through one proverb a day. Take a couple minutes. And by the end of the month, you'll be through the whole book. And then just repeat it because... Um, I just believe a proverb a day will keep stupidity away. Can I get a good amen on that? Your neighbor really needed that more than you. Just go ahead and admit it. That was for my neighbor. That was for my neighbor. And um, Solomon talks about the four different types of people. The simple. The simple are the people uh, they just don't know. They haven't lived long enough, right? And then uh, the second group of people he talked about is the fool. The fool just doesn't care. They just don't care. They know what's right, but they just don't care. They're not going to do what's right. And then he talks about the mocker. The mocker is the hater. We all got some haters in our lives. Come on now. I said, come on now. And then what we're aspiring to be is the last group of people Solomon talked about, and that's the wise. Someone say the wise. Someone say, I want to be the wise. 
One more time for the people who didn't say it in the back. I want to be the wise. Uh, one character trait, uh, the most important character trait of the wise, we've seen this last week, is they are teachable. They're moldable. They're pliable. They, they don't have the attitude that I know it all, that I got life by the tail and I'm just swinging it around. No, they are teachable. They're eager to learn more. They never get to a place where they say, I know, all, I know it all. I'm good. I don't need anybody speaking into my life. They're always open to people speaking into their lives. So we're going to move forward today. Proverbs 19.23 says this. The fear of the Lord leads to what? Leads to life. Then one, rest, content. Say that word content with me. Content. Untouchable by trouble. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one will rest content. Untouchable by trouble. Today I want to talk to you about contentment. Contentment. Someone say contentment. How do we live content in such a discontent world. Come on, somebody. We're going to get into this. Are you ready? I want you to look at your neighbor again and say, this message is definitely for you. And look at them again and say, it's definitely for me. This for everybody. Come on now. Everybody in the church house today. Uh, never have we had more but enjoyed less. It seems like we are never happy with where we are. We're only happy with where we're not. It seems like there are very few people in life now who are consistently content with life. It's, it's common for people's level of joy and satisfaction to go up and down depending on their circumstances and what's happening in the moment. It doesn't help that we live in a culture that we're taught to believe that more, it's never enough. It's, it, you always need more. You will always need more. And when you get more, you need to get more from where that came from. And our success is often based on how we're doing in comparison to others. But the truth is, this kind of thinking only results in dissatisfaction and disappointment. This is why most of us in this room today possess so much. We possess so much, yet we enjoy so little of what we have. We are discontent. Um, just to remind you of how blessed you are, how blessed we are in this room, um, if you drove your car to church today, you are a part of the top 9% of the wealthiest people on earth. Top 9%. If you earn more than $25,000 or more a year, you are among the top 10% of the, wealthy, of the world's income earners. Top 10%. If you earn 50K or more a year, you are in the top 1% of the world's income earners. If you are sitting in here today watching online and you have sufficient food, three meals a day, some of you snacks in between. Come on, somebody. If you have decent clothes to wear, if you live in a house or apartment, you have shelter, if you have reasonably reliable transportation, you, my friend, are among the 15% of the world's wealthiest people on the planet. Yet we have so much, 
Yet we have so much, yet we want more, and when we get the more, we want more of where that came from. Why is this? Why are we living in this culture? I believe there are many reasons, but the number one enemy of contentment has to be, has to be comparison. We are not content because we compare. We compare our lives. We compare our behind-the-scenes footage with everybody's highlight reel that they throw up on social media. Pastor Craig Rochelle says this, and I quote, comparison will either make you feel inferior or superior, and neither honors God. Comparison will not only steal your joy, but it will also steal your paycheck. With comparison, we have to know that it's always a trap. Someone say a trap. And when we get caught into this trap, it's very hard to get out of the comparison trap. Proverbs 14.30 says this, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy, envy rots the bones. Many of us don't realize how the enemy has trapped us into his lies of comparison and left us discontent. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time in your life you actually were content? You actually were at peace. You actually possessed the joy of the Holy Spirit, because what you had was enough. Hmm? Three lies that comparison makes life all about. Three lies I want to give you, and then we're going to go to the Word and find the truth in God's Word. Amen? The first lie is this. Comparison makes life about the wrong perspective. The wrong perspective. Comparison tries to convince us Every day that what we have is, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. Now, this has existed for all mankind, but there is one thing that has thrown fuel on the fire when we talk about the wrong perspective in regards to comparison, and that is social media has really inflamed this whole thing. Social media. Because the wrong perspective breeds all this comparison, which can be very toxic for our lives. Example, you jump on Facebook or your social media of choice and you go there to check something out, but before you know it, you're faced with someone else posting something new that they have that you don't have. They're posting their new car, hashtag blessed. Come on, somebody. They're posting their new house and all their new furniture, and uh, they're, they're posting all these things, hashtag God is good, and you're sitting there saying, well, why is God good to them but not to me? The wrong perspective causes us to be discontent. Come on now, you know it's true. You've been looking at everybody's vacation pictures lately and feeling like you're a failure as a parent. Because you couldn't take your family on that trip. You couldn't take your family to that beach. Hmm? Maybe you're single, and every time you jump on social media, it's someone new got engaged. Come on. They're holding up the, the ring, and you say, what's wrong with me? Or, or, or maybe you jump on social media, and, 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 and you're like me, man. You're a foodie. Come on. We're all the foodies at. And you see all these fitness and workout people posting their daily gym selfie. Come on, somebody. Uh, I, I'm so proud that, that you're on a health journey and you're losing weight. But do you need to post a gym selfie every other day? 
We get it. You're stronger than us. We get it. You're more in shape than us. How many gym selfies will it take for you to stop? Because we get the point. Come on now. I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade, but while you're saying, I just did CrossFit, I just climbed a mountain, I just ran a marathon, I'm over here finishing my cheeseburger and my fries and ice cream is next. And I'm feeling bad. I mean, yesterday I'm riding my bike, going to pray and going to my spot. And, you know, I got me a little Walmart Huffy bike and my fishing hat's on backwards. And I'm just chilling. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere in my neighborhood come two cyclists. (laughs) Cyclists, I said. Not bike riders. They were cyclists. They had the helmet. They had the matching shirt that was tight. And the matching shorts that were short. I would never wear those shorts. Dear God. And they had the shoes. And as they passed your pastor, they gave me the look like, what are you doing? You have your beats on. You have your fishing hat backwards. You're riding, listening to your music. But we're out here winning championships every single day. And I begin to compare my outfit, my bike, to the cyclist. And when I got to my spot, you know my spot, some of you do, and I began to pray, the Lord said, see, you didn't even know you were comparing your bicycle, your outfit to the cyclist. I said, dear Lord, do I have to tell that story to the people? He said, yep. (laughs) Social media, oh my Lord, it can... Add some value to your life, but I believe it takes a lot of value from your life. I I believe we all have to be careful and really ask ourselves, is this adding value to my life or is this taking away from my life? The stats, they did a study on social media and they said this, 10 minutes or more a day, watch this, on social media, if you are 10 minutes or more a day, And most of us who are on social media would say, yes, yes, 10 minutes or more. They said you are less satisfied with life, you are more stressed with life, and you have higher levels of anxiety because of the scrolling on social media. Hmm? So, three lies comparison makes about life. Number one, the wrong perspective. Number two, the wrong presumption. The wrong presumption. This one could be dangerous because when we begin to compare, we say this, what we do have isn't good enough. But if I had what I don't have, I surely would be happy like them in the picture. I I surely would be happy. What I have is, it's not enough. But what I really want, I'm envious of what they have. And if, 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 if God gave me that house, if, if, if God gave me that car, if, if God gave me that vacation, then I would be content. Oh, the culture loves to push this to us, doesn't it? Through commercials, billboards, advertisements. It tells us this. You need this in your life in order to be happy. You need this. I mean, how many 
are late night people. Come on, you stay up late. Come on, that's all right. It's not a sin. Someone's like, is that a sin here? <laughs> you stay up late. Well, there's something late night that gets you. It's called the infomercials. Oh, yeah. They know when your mind's not thinking correctly. <laughs> they know when you're exhausted from the day. And they know you need this new hose. And if you act now, in the next two minutes, we're going to double your order so your grandma can have a hose, too. And I know many of you have fallen into the trap of infomercials. They, you started watching and you said, I don't need that. By the time that 10-minute spiel was over, they had you convinced you needed that in your life and you'd be happier if you had that in your life. I'm telling the truth up in this Pentecostal church. Don't make me run up in here. Hmm? Yeah, this is dangerous. This is dangerous because um, the culture says you're one clip, click away from happiness. You're just one click away. So, so your marriage isn't happy. You're just one click away from this site that can get you someone that will make you happy. Oh, I'm preaching way better than you're letting on. You guys all right in this section in the back? You good? You good online? I love you. Huh? You're just one click away. All you need to do if you're not satisfied sexually, one click away. And that will bring you happiness. You're, you're, you're one click away from happiness. Just click here and all your problems will be fixed. They'll be fixed. We know that they won't be fixed. We believe the lie that comparison tells us these are lies from the enemy because comparison you have to know this is always a moving target it's always a moving target you'll never hit it it's always a moving target when you get what you thought you wanted you're no happier than you were and sometimes you're less happier than you were because with comparison it's always a trap it's always a trap, and we never win. We can never hit this moving target. I love what the actor Jim Carrey says, and I quote, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. A multi-millionaire. So many movies this man has made. He said, I, I wish you could so you could see that what you think would bring happiness won't. People all the time crack me up, man. I just can't wait to move out of Kokomo and get to another state. I'm, I'm going to Florida. I'm going to the Carolinas. And what they're really saying is I want to get away from me because all my problems are me. But wherever you go, your problems go. So you can go to a warmer climate, but you go to the warmer climate. Therefore, all your problems are going with you. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, can go, you can go to the beach, you can live somewhere else, but wherever you go, all your circumstances and problems is going with you, so moving locations is not the answer. I'm preaching way better than you're letting on. Another study done with those who had $25 million or more of wealth said this about this group of people. They were a dissatisfied and discontent group. They reported, the millionaires, reported deep anxiety in their lives, including in the areas of love, work, and family. They said, the millionaires said, for happiness 
to be in my life, that would require one quarter more wealth than we currently have. Wow. Wow. Comparison is a moving target. If we're not careful, we can live in this vicious cycle our entire lives. We live for likes and hearts. We live for comments. We live for people to like us. We live for others. If we're not careful, we'll end up living for the wrong person. That's the next lie. We'll end up living for the wrong person, meaning we'll put so much attention on them and so little attention on us and our family. We're so intertwined in their life. I mean, reality TV is crazy because you could get so caught up in other people's lives and families that you don't even realize what your family is doing. You don't even realize the condition of your family because you're so caught up in the real housewives of Orange County. Come on, somebody. There ain't nothing real about that. The fake housewives of Orange County. Come on now. Half their body's fake. Moving right along. Moving right along. Y'all okay today? We're, we're, we're going to learn to live content in a discontent world. The wrong person. We'll look at what they have and we'll miss out on what we have. And in 2013, the new disorder was defined. It was put in all the, the study books. The, it was put in the medical books. And, and, and it was also put in Webster's Dictionary. It became an official word. And um, a new disorder was defined and nailed down. And it's called FOMO. It's real. It's called fear of missing out, it stands for. This new disorder. And, 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 and here is the definition of FOMO. A feeling of anxiety or insecurity as an event or an opportunity that our peers are doing that we feel we are missing out on. FOMO. And that's what keeps us connected to them and not to us. The wrong person. Oh, it's just not on social media. It can be anywhere because nowadays technology is in the palm of our hands. So not only can I be up to date on what you're doing, what you ate last night, how you decorated your house. By the way, I don't care what you ate last night. Thank God I'm not on social media anymore. Two years removed and I am free. Some of you should try it. I'm just saying some of you should try it. It could be your next step on your spiritual journey. It was for me because this is where I found myself comparing Compare myself to other preachers, compare myself to other churches, compare myself to other dads. Come on, somebody. So I, I made an exit. But anyway, th with this in the palm of your hand, you're connected everywhere you go. You're connected everywhere you go. So, so, so if you're on a day off and you're with the family, but a coworker emails you or your boss emails you, you're, you're connected. You can reply. You get, you get the latest news in real time within seconds right here. So, so, so we, are, we are connected, and uh, some of us don't know how to put our phone down. That was me, and I still battle with this. Can I be honest with you? On my Sabbath, my day off, um, family time, spending time with my wife, and I would still be doing church stuff. I would still be answering emails and text messages and phone calls. And uh, almost roughly about three years ago, finally we were at a family function and my wife just kind of looked at me and said, hey, are you going to put your phone down? And I looked at her and I was like, wow, I'm missing it. And it was a, a, a defining moment for me where I realized 
that Jacob, he lives for the moment, but he has trouble living in the moment. I was living for the moment, but I missed the actual moment with my kids and my family. And, 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 and I've gotten better at this. Just ask my wife. Just ask my wife. I've gotten better at it. <laughs> right? And so, so now that we realize the problem, the lies, let, let's go to God's word and find the answers. Come on. How many are ready for the answers? So Solomon had everything. Someone say he was rich. Like he was rich, rich. Like, like, like he was rich, rich. Okay. And you can find all this on Google. I Googled it. The richest person to ever live on the planet. Do you know who it is? It's Solomon. He was worth $2.1 trillion. $2.1 trillion. The richest man alive right now is worth $222 billion. Solomon, $2.1 trillion. Yeah. Some will say, stacks. And if you don't know, ask a young person. Stacks. Like, like crazy money. So this is the wealthiest man to ever live. And he said this. Look at this. Ecclesiastes 4.6. Better. Someone say better. Better, better is one handful. Better is one handful with tranquility or peace than two handfuls with toil and, and chasing after the wind. What, what he's saying is, I, I have had it all. <laughs> I, I've had all money could buy. And this is what I've learned. It's better to have one handful and have the peace of God than to be chasing after the wind, which you can never catch. Oh, you can never catch it. And some of you are just trying so hard to be something that you're not because you're, you're comparing their family and their life to your family and you're just chasing at the wind and you're wore out. You're tired because you'll never get ahead. You're discontent. You're discontent. And I love this about Solomon, that he just breaks it down. He's like, do you want peace or do you want toil and chasing? Do you, do you want peace in your life? I, I don't know about you. I don't know what that answer would be, but I choose peace. I choose peace over things. I choose peace over anything, money, and materialistic things that could get me any vacation. I want peace. I want peace. So how do we live content in a discontent world? Three thoughts. Three thoughts today. Number one, we need to realize what we have. We need to realize what we have. No, not what your neighbor has, what you have. We need to realize and here's the thing. We could all make a list of the things that are going wrong in our life. We could throw a big pity party. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? And we could all hear our sad stories. We all have them, by the way. I said we all have them. Don't let our outfit or our hairdo fool you. We all have them. Don't let our car or our house fool you. We all have them. And we could throw a big pity party. And you know what that would do for us? 
Absolutely nothing. <laughs> yes, bring all your troubles, all your problems to God. That's biblical. But don't live there. Some people live in the pity party. And they get louder when they don't get the attention they want. I'm talking to somebody up in here. I only got six minutes and 32 seconds left. But I am going overtime today. I will tell the clock keeper. Huh? And, 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 and so, so we can't live there. We can't live there because I found out if I stay in my pity for my circumstances and my, my, my troubles, it never helps me or those around me. It only brings tension, pride, and discouragement into my life. That's just what I found out. And, and, and one of the things I've learned is when I feel that trying to come on me, because we all feel it at times. Yeah. We all feel it, that woe is me attitude, I call it. That woe is me, nobody knows, nobody cares what I'm going through. That Eeyore spirit. How you doing, poo? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You got an Eeyore in your family. Every family does. But when it tries to come on me, I begin to do one thing, and that's count my blessings because I firmly believe gratitude is the key for this. I firmly believe when you live a life of gratitude, it has changed my life. I've seen it change others' lives whose circumstances are not favorable, who have, who have gone through hell and abuse and, and misuse greater than anything some of you have ever faced, but they have chose gratitude. It is the key to life. Not just in November they have chose gratitude. Every day of your life, you can choose to be grateful. And you can start to look at what you do have instead of looking at what you don't have. And it changes everything for you. Not only for you, mom and dad, it changes everything in that house. Because your kids hear what you say. They listen to what you say. And they are impacted by your gratitude or your lack thereof. I mean, look at your life. Who do you like to be around? Grateful people or ungrateful people? Grateful people. So why don't you be the people you like to be around? Oh, I'm going to preach this again at the one. It's going to be fun. I'm feeling this today. This is helping some people. Paul said it this way. While chained to a Roman guard in a Roman prison. This is what Paul says. Remember, he's in prison. <laughs> I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be, what? I've learned, I've learned something. Contentment is a teacher, and it, it, it's taught me something. To, whatever the circumstances, I know what it is. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I know, I, but I have learned the secret of being content in every, not just some, but every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or what, what's the secret, Paul? I can. I can do it. I, I can do it. You can do it. Oh, not in your own power. Some of you are looking like, man, I was just, I'm so discontent. I didn't even realize it. And maybe it was bad learned behavior growing up. That's all you were taught. That's all you were around, but you can learn because Paul just said, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret, and, and it's, it has nothing to do with me except for the fact that I surrender to a power and a strength that's greater and mightier than I am. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, somebody. You can learn this thing. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you can learn this thing. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like preaching right there, but I got to move on. You, you can learn to be content. You see, you see, you, you, you may say, well, you just act like you have everything you want. No, I don't have everything I want. I want a Corvette. Come on, somebody. I want to go to Hawaii for a month and a half. Come on, somebody. I don't have everything I want, but I have more than I deserve. I deserve hell. Jacob, the sinner, deserved hell. How many times I've turned my back on God. How many times I've failed, but he has never failed. I deserve hell and damnation. But God said, no, 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 Jacob. I'm sending my son, my only son, to die for your sins so you don't have to. I deserved it, but Jesus. Someone say, but Jesus. I got, I got to move on. I only got one minute and 47 seconds. So, 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 if we're going to be content, we got to realize what we have. Number two, if we're going to be content, we have to make God our source. We have to make God our source. We have to make God our source. At the end of the day, our discontentment is not, listen to this, is not about stuff and material things. It's about a void in our lives, and we're trying to fill it. Why did those millionaires... 25 million or more say just a quarter more and then we would be happy they're trying to fill this is what i say we all have a god-sized hole in our heart that can only be filled by making him the source of our life your spouse is not your source your kids are not your source your job is not your source god you are my source i'm preaching way better than you're shouting today Online, I hear you there. I hear you. You just spilled your fruit loops, didn't you? God bless you. Hmm? And we're trying to fill it, and, and, and only God can fill it. And we, we do a good job at filling it with everything but God, but it, it's a fruitless attempt, isn't it? I found it's fruitless. I've tried. If I could just have that car, if I could just go there, if I could have this relationship and that relationship, then I would be happy. Eh. Only God. So some of you here today, you're tired. I feel it. I felt it yesterday praying by the water. Somebody's walking in tired and you're wore out because you're trying to fill the void and you're at the lowest point of your life. And I want you to know that we are glad you're here, that this is a church for you where you can grow on your journey. And this is a church where, 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 where you belong, whether you believe or behave. You, you belong here. And I believe God's going to meet you here today because there is a God-sized hole in your heart that only he can fill. And for the Christians that are here, most of us have made that decision to make God our source. But I need you to know we have to be careful that after we make that decision that the enemy would love for us to plug back into the world's way and thinking, there's the answers for my life. So as believers, as Christ followers, we have to be careful that we don't plug back into saying, the world has all the answers for me. No, 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 no. All the promises of God are yes and amen. They are found in this book, church. Only God can fill what we need. Paul said this, Philippians 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have been always obeyed, now only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue. Someone say, continue. 
This is what he says. He says, you got to continue, believers. you got to continue in the faith. How do we do that? To work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. That word work out, that's a word picture. And it literally means, if you study it, it means to mine out like gold in a mountain. Like gold in a mountain. It's there. You got to mine it out, though. It's going to take some work. Come on now. It's going to take some surrender every day of your life to say, God, you are my source. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in society, God, you are my source. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need is you. Mine it out. Work it out. There's more to grow. There's more to learn in God. There's more intimacy in your walk with the Lord. Begin to mine it out. Work out your salvation. Number three, if we're going to live content in a discontent world, this, my friend, is so important. We have to learn to live out life on mission. You're on mission, by the way. In case you didn't know it, you're not here by accident. You're on mission. God saved you for a reason. You should have died in that overdose. You should have died in that car wreck. You should be in a sane asylum, all the junk you went through as a child. You are here for a purpose. God saved you. God delivered you. And he brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. It's time to live out your mission. Paul says this, Philippians 3, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not there yet, Paul says, but but one thing I do, one thing that I have to do, Paul said, on a daily basis, I have to forget, I have to forget what is behind, and I have to strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize come on now for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus watch this paul was saying this he had so much purpose in life he had so much purpose he's saying i don't have time to compare my life to their life i'm on mission i'm on mission You see, when you live on mission, you don't have time to compare with others. You don't have time because what fuels you is the mission of the life God has called you to. That's what fuels you. You don't have time to peep on other people's pages and let envy rot your bones and let jealousy come. You don't have time because you're busy rescuing souls. You're busy going after God's lost kids. You're busy telling your story of redemption. You're busy using your pain and giving it purpose so that someone else can be set free by the power of God. I'm preaching up in here. The wealthiest people on earth don't have wealth, they have purpose. You didn't hear that. You thought you needed money. No, you just need purpose. Two great days of your life. The day you were born, the day you discover why you were born. Saddest thing in the church, most Christians have not discovered the latter. Why on earth am I here? Number one Google question to this day is people asking, saved, unsaved, why am I here? 
when you discover why you're here, that you discover life isn't just about me, us four, and no more. No, no, no. When you discover how God redeemed you, how he took you out of the pit you were in, and you realize that I can't keep that in. Time is short, and we're living in the last days, so I'm on mission. Whether I'm at the factory, pumping out transmissions, whether I'm in the farm field, tilling the soil, whether I'm a teacher teaching those kids, or I'm in healthcare, I'm living life on purpose. I'm gonna make a difference in somebody's life. You didn't hear it. Purpose, you hear me? Purpose. You got a purpose, man. I'm looking at you. You got a purpose, sir. People on mission are, fo- are others focused. They're not here to compare. No, no, no. They're not here to compete. They're here to complete. We're not here to compare. We're here to compliment. What can I do to help others? What can I do to encourage somebody else? It'll get, it's the fastest way to get your eyes off your pity party. By the way, nobody's coming to your pity party except you. Reservation of one. Get your eyes off somebody else. I love some of the dream teamers here. Going through hell. I'm looking out right now. I know their story. I've prayed with them. I've read their prayer requests. Every one of them goes to my desk. I see them out here. I see them serving, coming in early. Some of them cleaning the house of God faithfully every week. They don't want no, they don't want their name called out. They don't need no notoriety. No, just doing what God's called me to do. I see them out there parking the cars. I see people doing things that they never have to put on social media, helping others. If you have to put it on social media, don't do it. I don't know why I'm here, but we're landing right here, and I'm fairly pleased with where we're at, because the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts right now. You got to get your purpose back. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, some of you got to get your purpose back. You were not made to live discontent. We have everything that we need. Look at my last scripture, Galatians 6, 4. Paul says this, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Wow. So I'm going to get my eyes on what Jesus has called me to do. The quickest way, the quickest way to get your eyes on Jesus, the quickest way to contentment is to get your eyes off of others, get your eyes on Jesus, and start to live the mission that God has called you to. This is contentment. When my eyes are not on what I want, when my eyes are not on what they have, But my eyes are on fulfilling the God-given purpose he's given me to make a difference. I want you to put your hand on your heart right now as we close. I want you to say, I am called. Come on, everybody. I am called online. I am called to make a difference. Time is short. I can't live discontent any longer. 
Today is the day I drive a spiritual stake in the ground and I say no longer will I live in comparison. No longer will I want and desire what I can't have. But I will be grateful for what I do have and for all that God has given me and for the cross that gave me freedom and for eternal life found in Jesus. I thank you, God, that I am learning. I am learning to be content. Bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. Now, if you're here today, you're far from God. You've never said a prayer surrendering your life to Jesus. Or you're in here today and you're a Christian. And for one reason or another, you've fallen away from God. You know it's time to rededicate your life to Christ. You know right now, right now is the time. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to call you out. But I just want to see who I'm praying for. If you're watching online, you're included in this prayer. I want you to raise your hand in the chat. But if you're in here, just throw up that hand. Hands are already going up. Thank you, thank you. Hands are already going up. You're, you've never said a prayer inviting Jesus. Come on, throw that hand up. I, there's a lot of hands. Just keep it up for a second. Just, yeah, thank you. Or you're a Christian and it's time to rededicate your life to Christ. Throw that hand up. Come on, I don't, I don't want to miss you. Tomorrow's not promised to any one of us. Awesome, thank you, thank you, awesome. Oh, wow, dozens of hands up. Wow, that's great. So proud of you. Heaven's about to rejoice. Let's all say this prayer. Say, Jesus, today, I acknowledge that you are the Son of God. I acknowledge that you died for my sins. I repent of those sins today, and I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, let's join heaven. Let's celebrate with heaven. Come on. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. You can take a screenshot, post it on your social media, and tag us. If you ever have the opportunity, we'd love for you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings. For more information on our locations and service times, please visit us at thefuelchurch.com. We hope this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey. See you next week.